0: For rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King.
0: Okay, so I wanted to start a little bit differently today. Did you look at that Twitter video that I shared with you? I like our listeners can't see it, but did you see that?
1: Oh my god, I loved it. It was amazing.
0: Say that again. Like it was it,
1: Amazing.
0: It, it really like it literally was amazing. And so for our listeners, let me just share with you, you know, I wanted Jay and I to start with a little bit of different energy. And so I found this video when I was looking for um tweets to highlight during our disability Twitter section. And it was a person in a wheelchair coming down like a biker, like a a BMX biker, maybe a skateboarder. Um, a ski per a person doing like slalom. It was like a slot, What do you call that? Like a slalom ski yeah. jump.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: In a wheelchair. Oh yeah. Two, three, four flips midair, landed, wheel tilted. I mean, it was. If 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 we could put it in gymnastic terms, it was absolutely a perfect tent. Like I'd be willing to give them an 11 and people uh, discredit me as a judge for for cheating. Like I'd literally go and grab a black marker and write an 11. And it, it was absolutely incredible. And the reason I bring that up and I smile because one, you know, we're always trying to look for something Jay to put us in, you know, a better mood than we might be because of some of the stories that we are reading. Um, But two, something that I'm wrestling with. Like, I I hesitated for a moment because I said, I want to throw this one down in disability Twitter, but it's not going to really make sense to people because, well, we would have just had to do what I just did, which was talk through it. But it takes me back to that whole inspiration thing. Like, what, what do you say to that? You know, do you put under that, like, whoa, like one guy put, wow, that was all he wrote. He was just like, wow, one word. Like it was absolutely incredible, um, yeah. I don't know. I I mean, shit. I'm, I wouldn't do it today, in my current condition. I, I wouldn't even get on a roller coaster. This cat, he just, <laughs> he blew my mind. Anyway, I'm sorry. As you can see, I'm kind of pumped about it. I absolutely loved it. That tweet was who was that? It was by Evan, Kirstell. Evan, E-V-A-N Kirstell, Kirstel. Evan E V A N Kirstel K I R S T E L if you go out to Evan Kirstell's timeline and maybe scroll back half of the week, you'll find the tweet of the person in the wheelchair. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm good. And we'll make sure that we have Trisha share that tweet on our Facebook page. So if you don't follow us on Facebook, go to crazytheking.com and uh, give us a like and a follow. Um, <clears throat> You know, I hey, love shout it. Out and I, Trisha.
0: Shout out to Tricia. Shout out to Trisha.
1: Who's doing an amazing job on our social. Uh, and Indeed. I really, really appreciate her. Uh, I, I think it's super fun. I mean, just to go back to your point is, you know, when things are actually inspiring, it's okay to say, wow. I mean, if it okay. was Tony on a skateboard, you would say, wow, that's pretty yep. badass. This dude in a yep. wheelchair, pretty badass. Pretty it's bad the bad things man. that are like just everyday living. Like I saw this. Picture on Facebook uh, yesterday, and it was a young mom, really beautiful w- young woman um, who had both legs amputated knee down, and she had prosthetics on, and she was running around on the corner with her kid and doing just a little like, hi, cheesy cheese. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's so inspiring. She's so amazing. You know, she's just a regular woman living her life who happens to be a mom who doesn't have legs that that's like inspiration porn, right? When it's like regular things that people do that are like, oh, you're so inspiring. No, this dude is inspiring.
0: Ooh, you just did something. You just did something. I keep telling you all like the biggest learnings for me has really been in the disability community. You just did something. What you did was you made it plain. And I say this word often, parhesia. P-A-R-R, S, I'm sorry, P A R R H E S I A, Parhesia, which is plain speak, plain talk. You just made it plain. Inspiration is when you are amplifying and celebrating just the normal day today, saying that her playing with her children is inspiring. What you did, Jay, you, you. Indirectly, and you didn't know you were doing it, but you connected it to when people say your children are so well-spoken. I can't tell you how many times I have been angry, disappointed, perplexed when people in restaurants, in events, in the community, perhaps in the mall... And not so much so lately, but when my children were little, it it most happened when my children were three, five, six, seven. They would say, Your children are so well spoken. And my initial thought was, "Well, Well, how did you expect them to be?
1: Right. Yeah. I
0: love what you just did. Just the normal day to day, that's when it can be a bit offensive when we are inspired by them just living their normal day. Thank you so much for that.
1: Hey, here to help. Happy, happy, uh, Jesus middle of September. Um, yes. where are you? Can I you
0: tell am... people where you are? Like, I I don't want you to feel like your passport yeah. is going to get taken or, or or, <laughs> or, or, or the secret service is going to come find you. <laughs> I was listening be before thing. you answer that, before you answer that, uh, real shout out April Taylor, shout out April Taylor. Uh, I was listening to a, uh, podcast of April Taylor. She's a friend of mine. And I was listening to a podcast and she was like, in the podcast, she said I had to leave Dallas because she had too many like speeding or parking tickets or something like that. So <laughs> so I just want you to know, if you can answer, tell people where you are, that would be awesome.
1: Uh, you know, people live vicariously through Chad and I's travels, so I'm not going to deprive anyone. Um, okay. We're in Vegas uh, this week. Um, HR tech is happening. So I'm actually here um, on a media pass representing Crazy and the King, going to be seeing what's out there, what's hot in the new DI tech and see if there's anything that actually makes a difference or if it's all just fluff and bullshit. We'll find out. So yeah, after after I hang up today with you, we're going to just head down to the expo hall and I'm going to spend most of my day in the startup space and see what's there.
0: So I, I mean, again, one day they'll see this video, but right at this moment, listeners, good listeners, I have my arms wide open as if I am inviting Julian to explain to me, well, what does representing crazy and the King entail? Because we didn't talk about this before you left, like <laughs> I knew I, I, I knew you yeah, I, I, knew, I knew you were going to do the media pass, I knew you were going. Uh, I just thought you were going to have a great time, meet some people, do some networking. But you've made it an official business trip. So just enlighten me and the listeners. What does that mean? Does it mean we might find some great guests? Does it mean we'll push some people to perhaps download the pod while you're on the floor? What does representing Crazy and the King look like? And by the way, we don't even have any paraphernalia.
1: like We don't have
0: a hat. We don't have a shirt
1: no i'm starting to get some shit about that too I, we we need it we need a t-shirt at least oh i would like a hat too um, um hat like a nice trucker hat can we do truck trucker okay. um yeah so basically all the things that you just said also going to parties um that which part. is a big part of of hr tech if you've never been it's just sort of a wow mess um also the evergreen team our our podcast network is going to be here um this week getting to know all of the sponsors and vendors in our space um as we are thinking about our 2023 um, sponsorship packages for the hr channel including crazy and the king so i'm going to be showing those guys around uh hanging out and just sort of uh talking about us and and you know, also talking about disability solutions, but mostly "Crazy in the King."
0: I love it. I love it, and make sure you give disability solutions a little bit of love as well. A little bit of love, absolutely. All right, Tina Ramirez. She is um the founder uh, of a leading Hispanic dance troupe, and she she actually passed away at ninety two. Uh, her company is called Ballet Hispanico. And they performed for audiences all across the United States and beyond. They actually actually trained a number a number of dancers, and so we want to just give a quick little piece of love to Miss Tina Ramirez. So Delta actually uh, updated its annual diversity progress uh, in their closing the gap report. They actually put out a report last week around the work that they've done around DNI inside of the organization. And the progress that they've made over the last two years what do you think when you read the report it's brief and like it only took three five minutes to read it yeah what do you think
1: um so i think there was good and bad um i think the good part is it is actually transparent yep there are places where they made vast improvements and the pipeline looks full particular yep. to women okay. um no no you know distinction between white women and women of color but women um had a lot of progress there um and didn't do as well on on black growth up into sort of that director level and above role um, and actually saw some attrition it looks like um and they put it out there like wow Delta thank you for that I, I mean I think that is. That's what I think of when I think about actually doing the work. It's not just doing, talking about the things that you do well, but it's being transparent about the things that you don't do well. Um, and and that really speaks a lot to me. The other thing, and I, you know, I just, I know I'm like a broken window or, or a, broken window, a broken wheel.
0: What? I'm, it, wait, it, I'm waiting because I already know what's coming.
1: You know what's coming, right? It's like, hey, we're, we're doing this. Hold on. I want to pull up the exact sentence. So our 2020 commitment to accelerate the closure of diversity representation gaps between the frontline and leadership in the three most underrepresented areas. And by that, I think they mean women, black talent, and and other underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. So people with disabilities are the quarter of the nation. Right, We are the largest, other than women, underrepresented group, and we are left out of this. I'm not going to be that way because we're going to celebrate the wins and know that women have disabilities and people of color have disabilities and Black talent at Delta has disabilities. But it's always just frustrating to have the absence so glaringly called out um, and no one notice.
0: Yep, and we're going to talk more about that. And I am actually going to personally, you know how some folks on their Twitter handles, they'll say the views represented in my tweets are my personal views. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have to do that when it comes to Crazy and the King. You give me the freedom and the flexibility um, to be able to tweet and say whatever whatever the hell I want to say. And I am going to tweet it out with a bit of love But I want Delta to recognize, and I want others to begin to recognize, we see your good work and your good effort, your good intention. We see it, we absolutely see it, we're celebrating it. But we also want you to know that because so many people are looking at your report and reports like this, that we do wanna see the disability community called out, spelled out, named, We want to see them named in the report so that they then began to be on the radar of all of these hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are reading the progress that you all are doing. So shout out to you, Delta. I'm going to actually tweet it out. Uh, This article was over on LinkedIn leadership. The hardest part of such is giving people difficult feedback. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, hell yes.
0: Okay.
1: I, I mean, it... I always wanted to lead people, right? I was like, man, I can't wait to lead people and do all these things, man. Leading people is hard. It is hard. Um, And it doesn't matter how hard you work at it. It's something you have to continue to work at your whole career. And sometimes you're going to fuck it up. And sometimes you're going to be disappointed. And yeah, it's hard. And it's hard to give feedback for people that you spend so much time with and that you care about and that you want to be successful but sometimes that is the the way that you help them to be successful is having that difficult feedback what's kind of you never talk we talk a little bit about your management experience but you know what's sort of your style in terms of of feedback
0: yeah you know that's a very good question so i only spent uh five six years inside of corporate america uh, my other like leadership experience came when I was in the military, uh, in basic training, you have this opportunity to get these little ropes and these ropes designate you to be at a certain level of leadership for your group of people. And so in almost everything that I've done, Jay, in my life, I've always been in some capacity of 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 leadership to a, to a degree. And so even in that short tenure in corporate America, rose to the ranks of leadership and and i will tell you part of the reason why i think that i was an effective leader and i don't say that in a bragging way i say it because looking over my shoulder i can still see uh paintings artworks and some of the other gifts that my people gave me back in 1995 6 97. Uh, you know remnant celebrating you know the work that we did thankful that i encouraged and developed them the way that i did and and i think that you know my style of leadership is really just hands on i'm really about being hands-on with an individual when you are doing something that deserves celebration and recognition i'm the first one to give it to you or i'm going to make sure that i give it to you but equally as important if Admonishment or accountability, or some sort of reprimand is required. I am going to give that to you. The two areas that I failed in most when I was a leader: um, number one, enabling people when they had dependencies. Uh, I was an enabler. Uh, so, in one instance, I had an extremely, extremely talented sales person that was a drug addict. And they would disappear two days here, a day here, half a day there, whatever. But I never held them accountable because in doing so, it impacted my commission because they were one of my top salespeople. And at some point, I recognize all you're doing is enabling their addiction because you allow them to make money. Therefore, they keep my other enabling was a person who had a really rambunctious, loud, disruptive, toxic personality. But they too were an incredible salesperson. So, in terms of holding people accountable, while I would, you know, take them in the room and acknowledge all of that, I still never cut the cord in a timely manner. I eventually cut the cord but it took way longer than it should have. And so what I knew and learned in my leadership is when decisions need to be made, you need to make them. And you don't draw that out. Um, I was guilty of drawing out decisions that I knew need to be made.
1: Yeah, I, I think we've all done that as leaders. Absolutely. So another important um, decision that we all need to make is to get back to the doctor. And get back into our regular healthcare screenings because one of the things that we're seeing across the country and potentially across the world is a rise in late-stage cancer diagnosis, and it's going to be a huge challenge for our HR listeners, for our teams, for each other, for us as humans. Um, and, and a lot of that, from you know, human resource executive, is really um, delays in in care or not caregiving and screenings that you would normally get that didn't happen during the pandemic which i think we've probably all been um, uh, guilty of and then just need to catch up on
0: what what's the title of that article over on a um, uh, human resource executive what's the, t- the title of that
1: it is late stage cancer is rising here's why that's hr's latest challenge
0: you know that was an interesting title here's why uh, cancer is hr's latest challenge challenge and it goes back to something that we talked about uh, a lot we talked about a lot at the be- beginning of the pandemic Jay you know we, we would have these conversations around organizations revisiting their health care uh, and benefit plans particularly as they uh, related to women and I am not suggesting that cancer is only a woman or a gender disease um, but it's important and and when I saw you know that title that it was HR's latest big thing. I, I just this that was one of those moments where I said, I wish I had more HR friends that I could hear from and talk to and find out, okay, I know I know the story is there. I'd like to hear more real example of how that may be playing out in people's workplaces.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I can I can speak to a little bit of it just because I, you know, we work with so many companies and I'm so close to the HR side of the house. One thing is a huge potential for increase in costs. Um, healthcare in this country is ridiculously expensive, and it's not as good as it should be. Um, and so, constantly HR is reevaluating, renegotiating to try to keep those costs contained for both the employer and and the employee, um, that's a huge piece. And a lot of times what happens is that you give up some benefit to keep the cost down. And when you have something like a late-stage cancer that needs more aggressive, more costly, um, you know, more out-of-pocket costs, that can really add up for the employee. So you've got that kind of battle. Um, Obviously, you have leave and all of those kind of things, but you also have a return to work status when hopefully people get past that cancer and they come into remission. Um, the lingering disability, mental health um, stigma that is, you know, associated with the cancer diagnosis is is another huge issue. Um, something I'll give Bristol Myers, and and one of the reasons I know as much about this as I know is that they've started a cancer support network within their organization that functions a lot like an ERG that supports cancer survivors as they return to the workplace and addresses the specific issues that that community um, manages once they. Return to work and also encourages uh, being able to return to work, and it, it's it's really um, it, it's a it's a new way to kind of think on the disability community and engage people where they are in a in a, a frankly a number that unfortunately is going to continue to grow you know in our workforces for a while.
0: A number that is going to continue to grow. So listen, we uh, we want to take just a quick break, but because uh i'm smiling we have a conversation that i think is going to be a bit revealing uh and maybe even some more learning for myself i don't know about julie but i know it's going to be a bit learning uh, a bit of learning for me we'll be right back welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit fuel your purpose and connect us all we believe in the incredible power of the human spirit You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. In a flash, while Apple focuses on other products that expand its, it's moat, Justice Text raises $2.2 million to make the criminal justice system fairer for low-income Americans, and Winston-Salem State University is the first HBCU to embark on new research programs in partnership with NASA. SNAP CEO, Evan Spiegel, isn't buying Zuckerberg's $10 billion metaverse while the president is tapping again and again for changes to Section 230, which is a statute that protects online platforms from legal liability tied to content published on their sites. And speaking of content published, Yuja Anya had them spinning last week with her social post regarding Queen Elizabeth. Many railed to her defense while others called for her to be fired. Platform of choice, it was Twitter. I wonder what might've happened if it were true social. Some of y'all will get that next week. Pockets got fatter for one Peter Mudge Zotko who reached a $7 million employment settlement just days before he filed a whistleblower complaint, and they also got fatter for a few parents. Princeton is now going to be covering expenses for families making up to $100,000 a year and slashing costs for those earning a bit more. And remember the good people, Remember, 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 we appreciate the micro donations that we have been receiving since we set up our donation fund. Julie is looking at me probably side eye right now like, uh, we don't have a donation fund. And I'm looking back at Julie saying, nope, we don't. But for all of you that are listening, all we ask is that you share a tweet or two of the pod and support our show sponsors. That's donation enough. So listen, um, this past summer, uh, Next Street actually announced, Julie, that uh, there was going to be the establishment of the Economic Opportunity Coalition. Uh, It's a partnership with the Office of the Vice President of the United States and the White House designed to increase private sector investments in underserved communities alongside those made by the Biden administration. The Economic Opportunity Coalition is a three-sector collaboration consisting of a number of recognized senior leaders, leaders from Ariel Investments, Bank of America, Capital One, Ford Foundation, Goldman, Google, McDonald's, McKinsey, Netflix, PayPal, just the list goes on, a number of high-profile individuals. Here's the reason why I'm bringing it up. Because the managing partner of Next Street, her name is Sharice Conan Johnson. Ms. Johnson says, what we need to be talking about is anti-racism. So I thought about a conversation that I had, Julie, with um, one of my coaching clients. And I said to him, I don't really know what it means to be anti-racist. Now I needed him to take that at face value. Sure, I could surmise what being anti-racist means. I could have long ago and even in that moment grabbed my keyboard and just typed in anti-racism and you know began to to understand it and be able to define it. When I say I don't know what being anti-racist means. I'm suggesting and sharing with you and our listeners that I don't have at the ready an official definition. I can't extol at length around what it means to be anti-racist. So I'm curious, do you have a position or a feeling around hearing the phrase or when a person says, Julie, are you anti-racist?
1: Um I mean I think so. Um it, it in my brain it it is a little innocuous in terms of it can mean a lot of things. Um but the way that I think of it at least is just that it's I've always heard it's not enough to not be racist you have to be anti-racist. And to me that's being proactive um when you see racism when racism is happening or that you are recognizing where racism can exist in systems and working to change that. Um, And again, even that sounds a little wonky, um, but you know, it's basically to me, it's doing something instead of doing nothing. Being not a racist is doing nothing. Being anti-racist is doing something.
0: Okay. I see what you said. I I, I see what you did there. I like that. So Sharice going back to her statement, Uh, And I'm just abbreviating the statement. It was a part of an interview that I found over on Black Enterprise. Again, it was a dated interview. uh, But this has been an article that I've been holding on to for just a bit of time because I wanted to kind of digest it and and sit with it a little bit. So again, Cherie said, you know, what we need to be talking about is anti-racism. In that moment, she also went on to say, "What, what we've done is we've stayed too heavy in the diversity, equity, and inclusion sandbox, but that we've also allowed a number of organizations to placate us, to pander, if you will, to to say things that they are not aggressively doing something about. Very similar to what you just said a moment ago, Julie. One of the examples that she raised is how much people stood on their soapbox Pound their desk and chest about what needed to be done uh, in the wake of George Floyd, but that those declarations had not um, been—they have not been netted out. So, so let me say it in a different way. In a different way, anti-racism work is integrated. To me, it's immersive. It's intense. It's um, uncompromising. I tend to think about anti-racism work as I think about all of the DNI work as something that can't be separated from everything else that we are doing. So when I think about people who say, Well, well, why would I have a target or a goal or a metric around hiring people like Delta talked about, like you pointed out? In the report earlier in the show, or or why would I make it my missive that we are going to do X, Y, and Z inside of the organization? Well, you would do those things, you would report those things because it's intrinsic in how we do work. To me, that's how I see anti-racism. And so I think part of the reason why I struggled, Jay, was because. I didn't feel like I needed a definition to just be better and be intentional.
1: Yeah. I I mean, and I think that's one of the ways that we get in our own way a lot is we always have like new words, new labels, new things all the time. And it's like, just do the fucking work. That's all we mean, right? Do the fucking work. That's it. And that's what you're talking about, right? Is, is like, you know, we we spend so much time lost in our definitions and lost in, you know, all of the the litany of things that we we could be doing wrong or could be doing right or could be doing that we just end up doing nothing. Um and, and that to me is is you know part of the challenge of our community in a very diverse community is we all have our own ways of thinking and doing things and, and taking action. But what we need are measures. We need measures. We need stuff that gets done. We need people who own things outside of DEI, right. To get things done. One of the, my favorite accomplishments, I'll I'll give a shout out to the team at my parent company ability beyond um, this week is Um, our, our black ERG started some work around, um, making sure that we had more supplier diversity and getting some measures on our supplier diversity as a nonprofit. That's something that we've never thought of. They started that work last year, last week, our, our CFO came to us and said, Hey, this is something finance should be leading. Let's take the work that you've done black ERG and put it into our business model. And you'll continue to help and support us, but we have to own it. To me, that's like, that's when I see action happening and it's out of DEI's hands because it becomes a, a functional part of our institution at that point, because a, a, a vertical owns it. You you know what I'm saying? Is that kind of what you're getting at?
0: Absolutely. I absolutely am getting at that. And I love the fact that, you know, um, it was recommended that finance get involved. Finance being one of the value points inside of the organization. When I think about finance, I, I think, and I'm gonna be a bit fuzzy on the number, but I think that there are like less than 24 black-owned banks in the US. I, I don't even know the number that may be categorized as uh Latin or Latina or Latin-owned banks in the US. I, I don't even know. Where that number is but then that raises the question as i say that out loud black owned banks latin owned banks i don't know how many banks are owned by a person from the disability community or i don't know how many banks are owned by people from maybe the muslim community so there's always there's always a bit of a journey a bit of exploration curiosity that's required in our doing this work. But I love the fact that the leader of Ability Beyond said, wait a minute, this is something that finance should be doing, weaving the effort, the, 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 the work, the groundwork that the black ERG did, weaving that work throughout the entire organization. I absolutely love that. And I want to say that I I just want people to really understand, you know, I, I raised this issue around anti-racism. That this was a story that I found back in the summer. And I didn't cover it. I didn't not cover it because Julie and I took August off. I actually didn't raise it because I just wanted to just sit with, like, why is it that I don't really use that phrase anti-racism? To that point, why don't I use phrases like anti-heterosexism or anti-ableism or anti-sexism or anti-ageism? Why, why am I not using these phrases? Why am I not putting that anti in front of them? And I think I have an answer to that. I think the answer that I am, as to the reason why I'm not doing that, what's that exclamation? Exclaiming, is because I don't see it as being necessary for me.
1: Yeah. I, well, first of all, let's stop and take a pause for a second. What in the holy hell is anti-heterosexism? Like that one is challenging because we we aren't anti-heterosexuals. We're just pro LGBTQ. That one, that one sits weird with me. I would love to hear some explanation if someone has it. Did it sit weird with you?
0: It did. And when I, when I saw it, I said, maybe the resource where I grabbed it from was, I'm trying to see if I still have it up on my screen. I I was wondering, is that a typo? Uh, I can't find it right now, but, but I wasn't sure, but it was there. So I said, let me write it down because I'm always willing to spend some time and sit with some of the things that you and I discuss, things that I think that we should be exploring and becoming better about. But but the reason why I said I don't I don't do the exclamation point, Jay, is because you know when I when I rise up, and, and let me tell you, every single year for the last 25 years, my schedule changes in the month of August. Because every single year for the last 25 years, I've had somebody that I've had to take to school. This is the last year the youngest King graduates this year. But every August, my schedule changes. Sometimes I had to rise as early as four in the morning. Others, I was able to sleep in until you know 6, 6.30. Every day when I wake up, one of the first things that I say is how can I be better and how can I help others to be better? I don't say to myself, and I'm not, listen, I'm not judging if a person wakes up and says something around, how can I be an anti-racist? I just know that genuinely I'm asking myself a question every single morning, how can I be better? And how can I help others to be better? So I don't really get caught up in the semantics of the language and all of these moving definitions and fluidity and this, listen, I don't get mired down in all of that. Call me guilty, but that's just my position.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's funny. I think if you listen to our podcast, maybe like season two, part of season three, um, you'll probably see me struggling and processing through those things, right? As I'm like, oh, there are so many words. There are so many things I, I need to like make sure that I don't muck it up. You and I have had several conversations a couple of times when I have mucked it up. like, And I, I'm pretty much, I think, at that same point with you now. And I recognize this maybe like a week or so ago. So it's so funny how you and I always sort of trend even when we don't even know we're trending um, together is that I'm like, I'm just going to go back to the simple, keep it simple, stupid approach to things, right? What do we want to do? We want to take action. That's That's what we want to do. We want to have measures. That's the thing. And I'm going to get less caught up in um, making sure that I muck it I, I I say every word and have every single thing correctly um because I'm never gonna get it right because it's always gonna shift. I'm gonna do the best I can, but what matters is is the measures of the work that that we so, do
0: so so let so let let let's close with listeners walking away with a couple of things that they can do what's one thing that they can do
1: so my number one thing always is always ask how do you make sure equity and by equity i mean that everyone is included and a part of your entire business strategy you don't build for people with disabilities after you build it you build with them first same thing right how do you make sure equity is embedded into your business strategy from the beginning not as an afterthought what about you
0: I think another thing that we absolutely know that we can do is we have to start assigning some things. And when I mean, when I say assigning, we have to assign some people, we have to assign some resources, and we have to assign some accountability. We absolutely must start doing more assigning inside of our business units, departments, teams, and organizations assigning people to certain tasks, certain projects, certain endeavors, initiatives. We need to start assigning resources and we absolutely, absolutely, Jay, have to assign accountability.
1: Yep. And the thing that you and I have learned together all the time and are always learning is you, you can't armor up. You have to remove your armor, be prepared to be corrected, be prepared to be wrong, be prepared to listen, to learn, and then keep going and find people around you that build you up when you get tired. That, that's how you do the work.
0: Find people around you that build you up when you get tired. We'll be right back. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Her Voice is our segment where we amplify women that are making moves. And this week we have PwC, who has hired Yolanda Seals Cofield as its chief people officer for the U.S. and for Mexico.
1: Yes, and I love this one. The U.S. Open is the only Grand Slam tournament where women use different tennis balls than men. <laughs> men play with an extra-duty ball woven slightly more loosely than the regular-duty ball hit by women, which, while here, let's highlight Didi DeGroat, and you can follow her at Didi, D-I-E-D-E, the great That's on right. Twitter, who won the calendar Grand Slam. It is her fifth in a row.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. And finally, in her voice this week, healthcare staffing platform CareRev has promoted Felice Genka to chief operating officer and the nonprofit organization for executive women, How Women Lead, appointed LHA Ventures president and CEO, Lorraine Akiba and Salesforce executive Vice President and Chief Equality Officer, Lori Castillo Martinez, to its executive board. We give a hearty round of applause to all of the women that we've named and others to be named for the moves that they are making in the corporate corridor. We absolutely, absolutely, absolutely amplify each of them
1: a couple quick mentions resources this week so we've got the inclusion summit 2022 sponsored by adp which is wednesday september 22nd i'm sorry wednesday september 28th uh you can visit adp fmi to learn more on twitter or just check out fd uh, Awesome. also awesome, awesome.
0: go ahead No, awesome. I was going to say Psychological Safety and Belonging at Work. It's another event that's happening on November 7th and November 8th of this year. The event is titled Creating an Unbreakable Organizational Culture. Uh, You can get more information on the event by visiting HackingHRLab.io. Again, HackingHRLab.io. Take us to Disability Twitter so we can get out of here and you can go have some fun
1: absolutely absolutely so finally we have talent search so disabled in TV has a a tweet from this week saying who are your favorite disability influencers actors stars YouTube celebrities Um, shout them out there so that we can work to get more people with disabilities on television and in movies
0: and this one right here for disability Twitter was a really beautiful capture It comes from Helen Rottier. I think she is Helen Rottier if I'm pronouncing it correctly on Twitter, R-O-T-T-I-E-R. She says, quote, neurodiversity and disability justice taken together are indeed celebrations of who we are and how we exist in the world.
1: And then we have Rachel Curtis 82 also on Twitter who says today I am mostly, I will mostly be blocking people who use my condition bipolar to describe their lives, having ups and downs. It's not yours to appropriate. It's disrespectful. It trivializes a serious mental health condition that is fatal to many. Follow Rachel Curtis 82.
0: That's right. Love, love, love our segment of disability Twitter. You know, more of what I love is just our episodes and just how we have grown not over the four years but we've grown even in the year of 2022 like if I look back at our first show in January of this year and where we are right now as we round out uh September and move into and through this th- uh, this fourth quarter we continue to grow so I love 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 our show and I hope that each and every one of you love it And again, you do that donation that we talked about earlier to tweet us out, to share us with others, to subscribe to the newsletter at Crazy and the King. Uh, Follow us across all of social media at Crazy and the King and make sure when you do post or repost us to use the hashtag. We close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and find your voice, be a better human, create better culture teams and workplaces for now, Jay in Vegas and I. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah.